Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of A Slut with Morals. I am your host, Ruby May. If you're wondering where the heck did my Instagram page go, you and I are wondering the same thing there, but good thing is I definitely have a backup page and that link is in the description below. Now, if you're new here and you just started listening, welcome to this podcast of chaos where we embrace the weird. This podcast is a little bit of everything, a little love, a little dating, some sex, a bit of conspiracy, some dark or weird history, and a bit of mental health. As I begin to wrap up season three, and I've started to look into the trajectory of season four, I wanted to let you all know that I've been reading your DMs, and to those of you that want more mental health and more men's issues brought to light, I am already reaching out to potential guests. So bear with me, because not only is season four having more guests, it will also now be available visually. I know. So, in the six-week break, I'll be finishing my remodel, I'll be learning how to video edit, and I'll be finding more guests and hopefully landing a full-time sponsorship so I can reach out to therapists and specialists to have some on the show. I think that would be great. I hope you do too. So, without further ado, this episode is brought to you by men's mental health advocate, Zachary Wood, whose Instagram will be in the description below. Zachary, I thank you so, so much for believing in this podcast and believing in my in me. You are such an inspiration and your story is one, while not mine to tell, is incredible. If you want to follow Zachary and watch his incredible life journey, please do so. He has been on a journey not many men come back from and he did so savagely. Again, thank you, Zach. Keep going and thank you for pushing me as well. If you love rock music and don't want it to die, or you want to hear about bands or which new bands are up and coming, I ask you to head to Rockaholics, a new podcast where my friend Alec and I talk about the history of not just music, but the history of bands and new bands we find that deserve way more hype. But before I begin this episode, as we all embark into this new year and all of its bullshit holidays, we're gonna talk about one in particular. Now, I know we all feel a certain way about Valentine's Day. Some of you really love it. Some of you really hate it. Some only like it when you aren't single. And some, like myself, don't really truly care. Does that make us cynical or realistic? I've always believed that you should show your love for those around you every day, whether it's helping with chores or buying their favorite snack, even if they don't ask you to. Maybe it's a grand gesture, or maybe it's cooking for your significant other. Maybe you tell your boo to go take a bath while you get the kids ready for bed so they can relax for a little bit. Love is shown in so many different ways, so it's easy to say that romance is a little different for everybody. In the 1700s, it said that Valentine's Day 
made its way from Europe to the United States, which kind of aligns with the establishment of the North American colonies between 1607 to 1770. It became traditional for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. That actually was more common in England, however, where the Industrial Revolution began earlier and eventually included the production of quote-unquote fancy valentines that were extremely expensive to import. It said that one American woman, Esther Howland, was so intrigued when she received her first English valentine greeting card in 1847 that she became infatuated with the idea of manufacturing them in the United States. She was an early entrepreneur and indistinctively believed that there would be an American market for these formal English-style greetings. After procuring mat materials like high-quality paper and lace from her father, a stationer, she created what many credit as the earliest American Valentine's Day greeting cards. Today, Howland is still honored with the nickname Mother of the American Valentine, with many citing her work as the start of a multi-million dollar industry. But did you know Valentine's Day wasn't always about love? Oh yes, lovers. Get your BDSM gear ready for this. Some say it began as a wild pagan festival. Oh yeah, those fucking pagans. The earliest possible origin story of Valentine's Day is the pagan holiday Lupercalia. Occurring for centuries in the middle of February, the holiday celebrates fertility. Men would strip naked mm, and sacrifice a goat and a dog. Young boys would then take strips of hide from the sacrificed animals and use it to whip young women to promote fertility. I know, those fucking pagans. Sickos. <laughs> Lupercalia was popular and one of the very few pagan holidays still celebrated 150 years after Christianity was legalized in the Roman Empire. When Pope Galatius came to power in the late 5th century, he put an end to Lupercalia. Boo! Soon after, the Catholic Church declared February 14th to be a day of feasts to celebrate the martyred Saint Valentine. Now, the very romantic but tragic story of our little rule breaker Saint Valentine is that, and this is as the story goes, Emperor Claudius II of Rome, who reigned from the year 268 AD to 270 AD banned marriage because he thought unmarried men made better soldiers. Mm. Valentine, actually, thought this was unfair and decided to break the rules and perform marriages anyway. He kept the ceremonies quiet, holding them in secret locations, but he was eventually caught and jailed. Well, right before he was tried and then executed, Valentine supposedly wrote the first ever Valentine to none other than his jailer's daughter, with whom he had fallen head over heels in love with. Unfortunately, Valentine was then executed on February 14th. Later, in the 5th century, Pope Galatius I declared the day of his death as Saint Valentine's Day. Now, some historians like to credit Shakespeare in helping Valentine's Day becoming commercialized when he wrote it into Hamlet, when the character Ophelia recites a song about a young lady's experience with the holiday, which includes lyrics like, Tomorrow is St. Valentine's Day, and to be your Valentine. If you guys don't know the story of Hamlet, think Sons of Anarchy. 
But anyway, the whole Lupercalia and the death of St. Valentine got me thinking, what other things have happened on Valentine's Day? Like, what turned it into such a huge deal? Because, I mean, obviously social media makes us feel like we have to outdo each other and overcompensate our mediocre love on one day of the year. We all know love isn't all rainbows and kisses, but some of this shit is atrocious. I mean, buy me some concert tickets and a bottle of Jameson, you know? I don't need a 10-foot, 400-pound bear that's just gonna take up space, am I right? Anyway, let's dive into a weird history timeline episode of A Slot With Morals. The year is 1929. On a day usually celebrated for love and sex, Al, Scarface Capone, had other ideas. The events that took place on February 14th, 1929, when Chicago's North Side erupted in gang violence, shocked America. Gang warfare ruled the streets of Chicago during the late 1920s as Chief Gangster Mr. Capone sought to consolidate control by eliminating his rivals in the illegal trades of bootlegging, gambling, and prostitution. This rash of gang violence reached its bloody climax in a garage on the city's north side on February 14, 1929, when seven men associated with the Irish gangster George Bugs Moran, one of Capone's longtime enemies, were shot to death by several men dressed as policemen. Chicago's gang war reached its bloody climax in the so-called St. Valentine's Day Massacre. One of Capone's longtime enemies, the Irish gangster George Bugs Moran, ran his bootlegging operations out of a garage at 2122 North Clark Street. On February 14, 1929, seven members of Moran's operation were gunned down while standing lined up facing the wall of the garage. Some 70 rounds of ammunition were fired, and when police officers from Chicago's 36th district arrived, they found only one gang member, Frank Gusenberg, barely alive. In the few minutes before he died, they pressed him to reveal what had happened, but Gusenberg wouldn't talk. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, as it was known, was never officially linked to Capone, but he was generally considered to have been responsible for the murders. Police could only find a few eyewitnesses but eventually concluded that gunmen dressed as police officers had entered the garage and pretended to be arresting the men. Though Morin and others immediately blamed the massacre on Capone's gang, the famous syphilis-ridden gangster himself claimed to have been at his home in Florida at the time. No one was ever brought to trial for the murders and remains one of the biggest unsolved crimes in history. From 1924 to 1930, the city of Chicago gained a widespread reputation for lawlessness and violence. Not coincidentally, this phenomenon coincided with the reign of Chief Crime Lord Capone, who took over from his boss, Johnny Torrio, in 1925. Torrio, who was seriously wounded in an assassination attempt in 1924, had retired to Brooklyn. Prohibition, ushered in by the passage of the 18th Amendment in 1920, had greatly increased the earnings of America's gangsters through bootlegging, the illegal manufacture of and sale of alcohol, and speakeasies, which were illicit drinking establishments, as well as gambling and prostitution. Capone's income from these activities was estimated at some $60 million a year, yet his net worth in 1927 was around $100 million. Though the St. Valentine's Day Massacre marked the end of any significant gang opposition, 
to Capone's role in Chicago, it can also be said to have marked the beginning of his downfall. With his highly effective organization, his impressive income, and his willingness to ruthlessly eliminate his rivals, Capone had become the country's most notorious gangster, and the newspapers dubbed him public enemy number one. Federal authorities began investigating Capone after he failed to appear before a federal grand jury after being subpoenaed in March of 1929. When he finally appeared and testified, federal agents arrested him for contempt of court. Capone posted bond and was released, only to be arrested in Philadelphia that May on charges of carrying concealed weapons. Capone served nine months in prison and was released for good behavior. In February of 1931, a federal court found Capone guilty on the contempt charge and sentenced him to six months in Cook County Jail. While the U.S. Treasury Department had launched an investigation of Capone for income tax evasion, through diligent forensic accounting, Special Agent Frank Wilson and other members of the Intelligence Unit of the Internal Revenue Service were able to put together a case. And in June 1931, Capone was indicted for evasion of federal income tax. Convicted that October after an internationally publicized trial, Capone was sentenced to 11 years in prison, first in Atlanta and later in Alcatraz. He was released in 1939 and died an invalid recluse at his Florida home in 1947. So, what else happened on Valentine's Day that furthered the commercialization as we see it today? Well, for starters, in the 1980s, companies like Hallmark began launching more and more Valentine's Day-related commercials. In 1985, one commercial, which dubs Hallmark as the Valentine's Day Store, shows off all of the cards and heart-shaped products you can buy for your loved one in their locations. In 1986, Hershey's already a million-dollar corporation enforced themselves as a Valentine's Day staple with one slight design tweak. The company began packaging kisses in pink and red foil specifically for Valentine's Day. Get this, in 2005, Valentine's Day began to go digital because on February 14th of 2005, YouTube, which was actually originated as an online dating site, made its debut. Co-founder Steve Chen still credits its invention as the brainchild of three guys on Valentine's Day that had nothing else to do. I know, that surprised me too. Never knew that YouTube was originated to be an online dating site. And going back to crimes that have happened on February 14th, in 2008, a gunman opened fire in a lecture hall of Northern Illinois University and DeKalb County, Illinois, resulting in six fatalities, including the gunman and 21 injuries. Just recently on Valentine's Day in 2018, a 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz opened fire on students and staff at a Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, killing 17 people and injuring 17 others. Cruz, a former student at the school, fled the scene on foot by blending in with other students and was arrested without incident about an hour later in nearby Coral Springs. He was charged with 17 counts of premeditated first-degree murder and 17 counts of attempted first-degree murder. Police and prosecutors investigated a quote-unquote pattern of disciplinary issues and unnerving behavior. This killing spree was actually the deadliest high school shooting in the United States history, surpassing the Columbine High School massacre that killed 15, including the perpetrators, in Colorado in April 1999. 
The shooting came on a period of heightened public support for gun control that followed mass shootings in Paradise, Nevada and in Sutherland Springs, Texas in October and November of 2017. Students at Parkland founded Never Again MSD, an advocacy group that lobbies for gun control. The Broward County Sheriff's Office received widespread criticism for its handling of the police response, both for not following up on multiple warnings about crews despite a lengthy record of threatening behavior, and for staying outside of the school instead of immediately confronting him. This led to the resignations of several police officers who responded to the scene and the removal of Sheriff Scott Israel, a commission appointed by then-Governor Rick Scott to investigate the shooting and condemn the police inaction and urge school districts across the state to adopt greater measures of security. Later on, Governor Rick Scott signed a bill that implemented new restrictions to Florida's gun laws and also allowed for the arming of teachers who were properly trained and the hiring of school resource officers. Sad to say, it always takes a school shooting and children dying for more people to take gun laws seriously. At least one good thing came out of that. Moving on. Something else that didn't really surprise me was that 7% of couples break up on Valentine's Day. So one in every 14 couples are joining the single population here soon. But why do so many people break up on Valentine's Day? It appears that one of the reasons people choose to ditch their significant others on Valentine's Day is, well, to save money. Yeah. Others claim they choose to end their relationships to avoid being pressured into a false declaration of love, which I totally understand, especially if you're super, super, super brand new at dating. Because of social media, some, I mean, some always want what others have, right? Some want that super duper great grand gesture of love. They want a whole show of it like it's a fucking grand premiere. On a side note, you know, my ex-husband and I would stay home the day of Valentine's Day, order a heart-shaped pizza, and then go out the following weekend if we could. I mean, if we couldn't afford to go out, it was no big deal, you know? Facebook statuses are about to change if you can't realize that love is not on just one day of the year and that sometimes less is absolutely more. You don't need so much stuff to prove that you're loved. It's stressful. Just spend some time alone together. If you are celebrating Valentine's Day with your sweetheart, whether it be out and about or at home, be careful. But also, remember, it doesn't take a lot to make someone feel loved and desired and special every day of the year. Keep the promises you make. Flirt with each other. Put the phone down. Make time for each other. Help each other. And don't forget that saying thank you and showing your appreciation goes a very, very long way. It's super easy to take advantage of your partner or forget to be grateful for your partner, you know? Now, before I let you go, new Embrace Your Weird March is finally out. If you guys really want to support the podcast more, please follow, rate the podcast, and leave a review if you can. Each listen, comment, and like really helps with possible future sponsorships as well. Alright you guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Slot With Morals. I'm your host, Ruby May. If you want to follow me on any social media platform, click the link tree in the description below. Don't forget to rate the podcast and hit that follow button and that little bell to be notified for the next episode of A Slot With Morals. I hope you have a good week and you have the day that karma allows you to have. So remember, every day is a good day to be better than who you were yesterday. Okay? 
things. Love ya. Bye.